This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. I am once again honored to be representing my friends at New Society Publishers, the book publishers that were a big inspiration to me even before I started working with ecologies and natural buildings and way before podcasting. Their titles like The Natural Plaster Book and Timber Framing for the Rest of Us really made me believe that I could build my own home, which I eventually did. And later volumes like Ecopreneuring, Unlearn Rewild, and Building Community have offered tons of inspiration and even helped to shape my worldview. Whether you're looking for practical tips on growing and preserving food, exploring complex challenges in your own life, or sometimes just searching for hope and inspiration in a crazy world where you don't feel like you fit in, you'll find exactly what you're looking for and more at newsociety.com. Okay, welcome back everyone. Today I'm going to explore a topic that's been important to me for a very long time, but that hasn't been explored much on this show so far. I'm talking about personal health and fitness. Now, of course, this is a very multifaceted subject, and everyone's going to have their own ideas of what diets, exercise plans, or mobility routines, as well as mental and spiritual practices are essential, and that's great. But this interview is going to focus on physical fitness and what it means to integrate exercise and strength training into a holistic health plan that suits your own unique needs and goals. For those of you who have been following this podcast since it was called Abundant Edge, you'll likely remember me talking about my own struggles with digestive health and how I've had trouble for most of my adult life due to gut dysbiosis and some of the related symptoms. In the past, when I've felt hopeless and that my nutritional health was way beyond my control, I would focus on the areas that I could still influence. Since I was constantly traveling for most of the last 15 years, I focused on calisthenics and bodyweight exercises that I didn't need any equipment for. And as I began to research how to train my body without gym equipment or weights, I quickly found the inspirational work of Anthony Araventakis, the founder of Bodyweight Muscle and the author of many bodyweight training books. I was immediately drawn to his focus on whole body fitness and functional strength above aesthetics, as well as his personal journey of transformation, which is truly heartwarming. Over the years, Anthony's exercise programs and online community have helped me to get out of various depressive funks, which have had transformative effects on my life beyond just my physical fitness. The routines have helped me to manage my time better, gain motivation for other goals in my life, and focus on holistic fitness. Now these qualities, while not unique to any one health program, have served as the spark to recommit myself to many of the virtues that I hope to continue to approve upon and one day even exemplify. Together they all tie into a much more complete and robust concept of holistic health as a lifestyle rather than just an end goal. In this interview, Anthony shares his story of the accident that had him bedridden and immobile for years, as well as the mind and body transformation that helped him to regain control of his life. We talk about the mindset and discipline necessary for a holistically healthy life, and how to look beyond your physical fitness to strive for optimal health in many aspects. Now I'm hoping that this will be the first of many conversations on these topics and I welcome you to suggest other experts and perspectives for future interviews on the Discord channel. But for now, I'm pleased to get this discussion started with Anthony. So Anthony, you and I have been in touch for a couple of years now and I've been following through some of your workout programs was really the first exercise program that I stuck with uh, for a lot of different reasons. 
But as I'm looking into increasing things like uh, nutrition, uh, lifestyle, health, and a lot of these other emergent parts that have been instigated for me through workout programs and developing that kind of discipline, making it into a lifestyle rather than just something like a hobby that you do to feel better. I would love to talk about starting first with your own journey into getting your health under control and recovering because you have quite a dramatic kind of origin story, so to speak. You want to start with that? Sure, sure. So uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. And uh, yeah, if I had to summarize like a really long journey uh, of uh, getting out of shape and getting back into shape, I would say uh, it all started when I was 23. Uh, I had a motorcycle accident at the point I was finishing my university studies in sports science. So uh, I was working part time delivering pizzas at the same time. And it was like an uh, early spring uh, night around 11 p.m. I think when I uh, was running through this really dark alley suddenly uh, I noticed like this big bright lights uh, coming close and closer and closer. And uh, I just got in a big crash with a car, which uh, swiped basically the the uh, my bike, and uh, I started just flying in thin air. Uh, I remember like the whole flight being really cinematic. You know, everything went with slow speed, slow motion, and uh, yeah, I ended up on the pavement, twenty one meters away, as I was informed later on, which is like um, like eighty feet, I think. Uh, and um, uh, I noticed my leg was messed up. Yeah, so sorry for the, the graphic scene, but my ankle was folded on top of my knee. And uh, I realized that, okay, that's not a good sign. You know, at the moment there wasn't any pain because you're, you know, it's the whole shock, the adrenaline and all that. But uh, the pain definitely came a few seconds later. So to make a long story short, uh, I was hospitalized for six weeks. I had a, a seven... Uh, um, operations where they were trying to save my leg. After that, I uh, was for about two and a half years in Greece, in and out of hospitals, uh, trying to repair my leg. Uh, it wasn't working out well here in Greece. I left, I went to the Netherlands, which is my second country, my mother's Dutch. We tried to repair the damage there as well, but I, in the end, it wasn't working out. So after a total of uh, five and a half to close six years, I think, we decided to have an amputation. Uh, for me, that last surgery was actually the easiest surgery because, you know, I finally had a solution. Because when you're 23 and you're just like waiting for, you know, your health to, uh, for your leg to be fixed, you can't do a lot of things. You know, you're pretty uh, stuck. Your friends are moving on. They're finishing their studies. They're like starting businesses, families, and stuff like that. And you're like just stuck. You know, you can't do anything, which was the hardest part for me. So I was either recovering from a surgery or waiting for the next one. In total, I had 13 operations with the amputation being the last one. And, uh, you know, after that, for me, the, the amputation was the easiest operation because I finally had like a solution. You know, I knew that, okay, it's going to be like a, a hard a road towards recovery, but at least I know like I can get a prosthesis and I, I can be pretty active from uh, you know what I can see other people doing. So uh, it took me about a year to start learning to to start walking on a prosthesis, you know, to, to get at least towards the level where I could get relatively athletic. 
And uh, now it's been, how many years has it been now? It's been eight years since the amputation. Uh, I think I'm in pretty good shape. You know, I can uh, even outrun some of my, most of my trainees. I would say that I train here locally. Um, and, um, you know, I, I do what I love. I'm a coach. I'm a bodyweight coach. Uh, I train people both online and offline. I've uh, got my YouTube channel. Uh, I write books. I like writing books on this topic on bodyweight training, you know, how to make bodyweight exercise, aka calisthenics, a way of uh, living, a, how to make it basically part of your lifestyle, you know, and not just like something you do to get in shape for the summer or for a, a wedding or for, I don't know, whatever, you know, uh, goals people have sometimes and get in shape, but uh, they only fall out of shape afterwards. And yeah, I think in a nutshell, that would be pretty much it. Well, so I'm curious because though we talked about the journey of eventually amputating your leg from the accident on the motorcycle, that process took a real toll on your body in other ways too. And, you know, you started to lose your, your physical fitness all around your body as you were bedridden in this process. Can you talk about what catalyzed in your mind that made you decide, okay, I'm going to take this back into my own hands and get my fitness and my overall health under control? Yeah. So I was used to being in pretty good shape most of my life. When I had my accident, I was competing in a canoe kayak in Greece. We won a national championship the previous year. And when I had my accident, I was in really good shape. I would say one of the reasons that I didn't get any other injuries from what the doctors told me was that, you know, my body was pretty strong. And that way, you know, I didn't sustain any other injuries from the fall. But after that, uh, you know, six years not being able to train, you know, most of the times I would be walking with crutches. Motivation was super low. I was, uh, I was being depressed. I had periods that I was definitely depressed that, uh, I couldn't train, you know, most of my life when I was stressed or angry or whatever, you know, you're, when you're a teenager growing up, when uh, you got stuff like that going on, like my typical solution would be to uh, literally and metaphorically run away from my problems. You know, I just, I would just hit the streets and run uphill and I get a really good workout in and uh, avoid my problems. But now I was stuck in bed and I couldn't avoid my problems and I didn't have the mental tools to deal with all that uh, difficult situation. So I realized that uh in order to get back to basically, cause you know, you're 27, you haven't worked in years. Um, your confidence is low. You know, you have a, an amputated leg. You don't know how you're going to, how people are going to take it, you know, like how relationships will be from this point on. Um, I, you're definitely at a point that, you know, your confidence is low. And uh, so I decided that uh, in order to boost my confidence, I will get back in great shape again. Uh, I, would, I will eat healthy, but uh, I will also take care of my spirit, which was something that I didn't do prior to my uh, accident. So I, I would also, you know, do things to build my mental toughness to, um, you know, I started reading things regarding meditation, self-development, uh, psychology, you know, anything I could read in combination with nutrition and getting back in shape, you know, anything regarding fitness. So uh, it took me about, I would say six months, but uh, within six months, I got back in pretty good shape uh, from being like completely um, 
skinny fat, as they call it. You know, I would say that was my body type at the end of the accident because I wasn't eating a lot. Uh, I was depressed and uh, I didn't, I, I had lost all of my muscle. So uh, I started uh, eating a little bit more, but definitely healthy. I started building muscle. I started uh, developing myself mentally as well. And uh, from that point on, things started to go uphill. You know, I, I found my confidence back, my, uh, my mojo, as I call it. And uh, things started uh, looking better and better. You know, of course, it's always a journey with a lot of ups and downs. But uh, I would say overall, after the surgery, after my amputation was when uh, life uh, only got better and better. Well, so let's talk about those ups and downs because everybody, you know, nobody has a, like a linear progression where mm -hmm. it's all smooth sailing. It's always uh, moving in a positive direction. And, you know, through some of your content, I've watched you go through a few of those and I've related to some of my own. I know you've changed pro, uh, prosthetics, that mm -hmm. your previous one was not helpful or was causing you pain and you've switched to that and that caused you, you know, some bumps in the road and some dips in your progression. And I myself, as well as a lot of other people, especially during the pandemic, have gotten out of some routines, have let themselves go. And uh, what do you find helps you when you're in one of these slumps or, or starting to go in a direction you're not hoping to get to? What helps to pull you out of that? And some of the techniques that you've seen help others as well. Yeah. So like a lot of times, like in movies, you know, you only see like lows and highs and, you know, the hero just uh, goes from being at a low, ultimate low and just, you know, going uphill and uh, accomplishing stuff. But uh, in real life, there are a lot of middle points, right? There are a lot of in-between zones where you get stuck at a routine, you know, things are not getting better, you, you get bored um, and life feels... Uh, a little bit slow, a little bit sticky, a little bit, you know, I don't know that uh, you're, you're not basically seeing any progress and uh, you can get caught in a loop pretty often. What happened in the Netherlands, like uh, during the first six months when I got in great shape, I had all the time in the world, you know, I didn't, I wasn't working, you know, I still focused, I'm going to focus on my health for six months, complete my recovery. And after that, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do in terms of work. So uh, I would train like two hours a day, uh, you know, just take my time, have my workout routine set up in a way that, you know, they took a lot of time, but I didn't uh, care because I had that time. And uh, then I had, you know, to start working again. So I started having these jobs that were, uh, some of them were quite stressful. You know, I was, uh, I would work nine to five, nine to six, I would say. But on top of that, I would have to commute in total three hours a day. So, you know, you're basically working more or less like 12 hours and you're coming back home and you're tired and, uh, and you know, training for two hours uh, is not practical. You know, you have to cook, you have to do groceries, you have to take care of paperwork or whatever, you know, uh, adult stuff you have to do. And that's the point that I realized that, okay, like this is not working, you know, in my head, I had to train at least one and a half hour a day, or I wasn't really training, you know, it was really, black or white in my head and uh, uh, that was the point that uh, I started like getting stressed again um, I didn't like the jobs that I was doing at that point that much uh, but with muscle was more of a, of a hobby of a side thing you know I was still figuring out how can I make this uh, how can I, can I make a living out of this I had, I had no idea about business uh, online businesses and stuff like that 
So these were things that I had to figure out slowly because um, I also had to work like 12 hours a day at the same time. So, you know, developing your own side business wasn't easy. And that's when I went back to the, the, the whiteboard and uh, I started thinking, okay, you know, uh, I need to change things. I need to, what I did first, I, it was that I started training early in the morning, but uh, you know, I was pretty rigid about it. I, I felt, I thought that I had to, I had to work out for one and a half hour, you know, like the, uh, like the rock does or people, you know, Hollywood stars do. And uh, you know, maybe for some people this works, but uh, if you're already stressed, if you're tired and you've got to wake up like 4 a.m. in the morning to train, you know, uh, <laughs> that's probably not something that is practical for a lot of people and realistic. And, you know, we do need to sleep. Sleep is healthy. You know, you got these YouTube motivational videos that are like, you know, sleep. I don't need sleep, you know, quotes like that. But uh, we know now from research on sleep science that one of the biggest reasons, one of the biggest catalysts regarding health and uh, autoimmune diseases and a bunch of other health problems is a lack of sleep. So definitely don't neglect your sleep. That's important. And uh, at some point I realized that I wasn't having fun in the Northern Europe. You know, I decided to come back in Greece, which was a positive change. Uh, but in order to do that, I would have to make my online business, uh, you know, make me a living. So uh, it got to a point that I could make a, a relatively decent living, at least for the place where I live here, where costs are really low. So I came back to Greece, a really big step. I started coaching people also offline other than online. Uh, and the problem there began that, you know, uh, although I thought that I'd be, I'd have a lot of more time here in Greece where I live, it's a really small town, really slow uh, paced town. Uh, but I started getting more and more clients and it got to a point that I was training so many, so much, uh, so many people that I didn't have time to train myself, which is, you know, it's stupid because you're a coach and uh, you should practice what you preach. Uh, and that's the moment I realized that, you know, uh, I have to work out in the morning because otherwise I'll just keep postponing my sessions in order to train other people. But I also have to train more smart. You know, I need to figure out ways to train uh, in a small amount of time and make it effective. So that's when I developed some more high frequency calisthenic routines that were shorter and uh, turns out, you know, you can get in great shape, even with short workouts, if you're smart about the way you train. And uh, I would say that's the point where I started managing life, finding more balance and uh, being a lot more happy, you know. And uh, after two years, I would say uh, it turned out that I was uh, getting more stuff done in less time. You know, I managed to be more productive by training smarter. And uh, the funny thing is that, you know, I took a lot of principles from uh, the way I structured my workouts and applied them also to uh, the rest of my life business and uh, everything. And, uh, you know, hard work is important, but smart work is also equally important, I would say. Now, in terms of getting out of a slump, um, one of the things that helps me most is training in the morning. Because when you train in the morning, you know, anytime you train during the day, you feel good. You'll have that post-workout uh, feeling of euphoria. And you know, everybody knows that, most people at least. But what happens when you train early in the morning is that you get to ride that wave of euphoria during the whole day. So that was like a big uh, thing for me, you know, training in the morning, you know, finishing your workout before most people are still maybe even in bed. 
you know, you have this feeling that you're already like half of your day successful. Uh, you have this motivation that, you know, I got that covered. Uh, you have that uh, confidence boost from your workout and you've got that momentum that uh, carries over during the rest of the day. So uh, working out in the morning for me, super helpful for getting out of a slump, for uh, getting back into a groove and uh, building up your your confidence, your your mood and everything. Yeah, I've definitely found that to be the case for me, too. And one of the reasons why I got into your workout programs early on, I mean, I we talked when I lived back in Guatemala and I was living more of a traveling lifestyle. The inconsistencies and the variables of that lifestyle was often the, the blame that I put on not being able to get into a regular routine and, and hold on to it for any period of time. But I think one of the ways that your specific programs have taken away points of friction are because you don't need equipment and you don't need to go to a gym to be able to do this, which was for me, extremely helpful not needing to have all of these things with you or having to go to another place help to remove a point of friction that would otherwise have kept me from getting these routines started. And also some of the clear start and finish dates of a, a few of the programs that you have helped me to see it as, okay, this isn't a permanent forever thing. You know, I can just get through these couple of months. I can put some goals on there. And if there are big changes in my life or things aren't conducive to keeping it going, I can also stop it or take a break too. And being able to see that ahead gave me the confidence that I wasn't getting into more that I could commit to. So those things were helpful as well. And now you are known mostly for the workout programs that you promote and the physiology and, and, um, and body weight training, of course. But I'm interested in your definition of holistic health and the other key disciplines or routines that have helped you to feel better in lots of different aspects of your life? Yeah. Uh, so the things that have helped me holistically, I would say uh, one thing is meditation, mindfulness, which uh, it's not something that I always do, but uh, I definitely reintroduce it during periods that I need it. Uh, one thing that I find uh, that works really well is uh, placing meditation after a workout because, you know, and especially after a morning workout, because after your workout, you've already decompressed, you know, your, your energy is, uh, is more stable and, uh, your head is clearer. So it, it's sort of like a shortcut to getting faster to a more, uh, mindful state. So combining meditation after a morning workout for me works miraculously. I would say like five minutes are enough after a workout when in order to reach that same you know spot of being mindful calm and um, you know for uh, depending on what type of meditation you're doing that can vary in terms of you know what is the stage you want to reach but for me just clearing my head and um, getting at a point where I'm peaceful I have inner peace uh, usually would take about 15 to 20 minutes but if I do it after a workout it takes like three to five minutes especially a morning workout when your head is already pretty clear. So uh, one thing is that. Uh, another thing that is important is uh, my morning ritual, you know, having enough time to wake up and uh, just calmly prepare my morning coffee, sit down, write my goals of the day on my notebook, uh, plan the whole day, super important as well. Um, having a hobby that is unrelated to work, 
uh, helped me a lot the last two years. I started playing the piano, which uh, has been a really a fun experience and something that uh, I find helps me a lot as well. Because, uh, you know, I find that generally as a person, I like to see daily progress in my life. When I see like daily progress in any kind of uh, area, that helps me, it, it gives me a positive boost, uh, a mental boost. And, you know, your business will, will, won't always be going well, right? Your workouts won't be always going well. Uh, but if you have like three areas that you're, uh, uh, that you have different in your life. So for me, that's business, that's uh, exercise. You know, I like uh, seeing progress in terms of working out and all of that. And uh, my hobby, which is playing music. You know, even if uh, two areas are doing really bad, like my business, let's say, and uh, working out, maybe I have an injury or whatever. Uh, even if I have like a little bit of progress with my music practice, for some reason that makes me happy and it keeps me motivated to keep on going. Uh, and I think that's super essential for people, you know, having a little side hobby, something you can do every day uh, that just gets you out of the rest of your life, you know, that uh, out of the other things that might be stressful. Uh, I think it's important that it's something you do with your hands, because uh, I think that's the way we're wired. You know, our brain detaches from stuff by doing manual work or work that requires uh, your limbs and some amount of dexterity uh so playing music for me is also in a way a form of meditation as well you know for 20 minutes every day that's the minimum amount i have because i know that's uh, realistic and practical and you know sometimes i'll have more time to for my hobby but uh sometimes i'll have even less so uh, i make sure that i get at least like 15 to 20 minutes minimum of practice and um that that has helped me a lot because you know until Two to three years ago, uh, my only daily focus would be like work and exercise. And exercise is also in a way part of my work, of my job. So sometimes uh, it's difficult to uh, detach one from the other. So having a, a hobby, you know, something you do for yourself, uh, I think is really important. You know, you shouldn't be just trying, focusing on work and, uh, you know, taking care of other people, your family, you know, as much as you love them, you should have something that you do that is more personal, a personal hobby. Uh, I find that to be essential for mental health as well. That's really interesting that you mentioned that right now, because that's one of the things that I, in just the last week, have identified that is missing from my life at the moment. And one of the reasons why I actually find myself in a little bit of a slump, even though I just finished uh, the superhero workout program, it's often when you complete something large and haven't planned the next thing yet, yeah. it's easy to drop off and not keep the momentum that you had from before. And you also mentioned, you know, the meditation, which fits into something that you've promoted for a long time, the mind to muscle connection. And well, first of all, could you explain that slightly and talk about perhaps other key understandings of physiology that were breakthrough discoveries for you as you learned to optimize your health? So um, I would say the first year that I trained, you know, I was focused strictly on numbers, you know, getting my reps up and all that and uh, sets and training volume. But uh, it came to a point that uh, I was pretty stuck in terms of progress. You know, I wasn't seeing any progress uh, in the mirror, building more muscle and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I can either start doing weighted calisthenics, which is, you know, in a way also a little bit 
that carries over more to weight training than it is calisthenics. Uh, not that I'm against it, you know. Um, I do have a place for weighted calisthenics in my programming as well. But uh, for me, it's essential that you can have a routine that doesn't require anything more than, uh, I would say, pull a bar or a set of rings. So uh, I, was, I started looking for more ways to make my workouts challenging. And I started noticing that um, one thing that was missing, not only from my workout, but uh, especially from a lot of other people's workouts was that mind-to-muscle connection. So basically feeling your body work while you're training, you know, feeling the muscles that are the protagonist muscles, uh, getting that muscle tension, you know, feeling that muscle contraction, uh, how much of a difference, first of all, that can make for people who are detached from their bodies. I find that most people who haven't had an athletic background growing up are really bad, you know, in, in quotes, uh, at mind-to-muscle connection. They just go through the motion they don't connect with their bodies at all. And uh, that's one of the reasons they are lacking progress. You know, I, I had a lot of people that were training, doing, getting like a lot of reps, but weren't seeing any difference in uh, building muscle. And uh, I was pretty skeptical about it until one day, I remember I was training at this calisthenics park and there was a guy who was doing like push-ups. I would, he was doing like 60 or 70 push-ups and bam, 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 like really fast, really uh limited range of motion and you know a little bit of bad form typical mistakes like riding rounding the shoulders and stuff like that and he came to me and you know i was doing 15 max 20 push-ups back then i would say but i was working on the mind to muscle connection you know really slow focused contracting my chest and all of that and uh, he would see me like do 20 push-ups and be like dead after that you know i couldn't get him another rep but um, I had a pretty decent uh, body in terms of muscle growth and all that. And he was like, how come am I skinny? You know, he will, my Dutch wear wasn't that good at that point. So we we're communicating in like uh, in bad, me in bad Dutch. And he was trying to talk to me in simple Dutch so I could figure out what he was saying. He couldn't speak English. So uh, he, what he asked me more or less was, you know, how come are you like, how come do you have uh, all this muscle uh, growth and I'm so skinny, although I can do like five times more reps than you. And uh, I tried to explain to him that, you know, it's not just about the reps, it's about going slow, using clean form and really uh, connecting to your body, you know, feeling that muscle activation, using mind to muscle cues that help you make each rep more difficult, you know, instead of trying to get more reps and make your reps easier, which is what most people try to do. So I tried to explain that to him, but uh, I think that his ego was a little bit uh, bigger and he didn't want to accept it. Uh, and he just went back to training the way he was training. So that was the like a, an, uh, a light bulb moment for me that I realized that, okay, people are getting reps and stuff, uh, but they're not really uh, focusing on that mind-to-muscle connection, which is essential because your body doesn't really understand reps, especially if they're really bad in terms of form uh what your body first of all understands is muscle tension you know that's how your uh, muscles um get stimulated in order to trigger hypertrophy and uh, stuff like that so there was an aha moment and that's when i started working on my two muscle cues uh i started implementing them first of all in my practice and i started seeing progress again you know i was 
pretty stuck for a while. And suddenly I was building more muscle without, uh, by actually doing less reps than I was doing previously. And uh, the great thing was that a lot of people were getting great results. You know, I remember like a specific email, somebody sent me an email, I already remember this and told me that, you know, I've been doing push-ups for 10 years and it's the first time that my chest is sore. So uh, that was like a great moment in my training journey. And uh, that's when I got really interested in mind-to-muscle connection. Back then, there wasn't a lot of research. It was the point where research was emerging on mind-to-muscle connection. You know, of course, you had like the old uh, bodybuilding camp that believed a lot in mind-to-muscle connection and the scientific community of fitness. Some people were supporting it, some not, but uh, it's it's began to grow a lot and uh, we have more and more research showing how important it is actually. Yeah, it makes sense. And it was a real click for me too. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're focusing on quality over quantity, which has a lot of returns in so many aspects of life, including fitness. And it also helped me to realize another thing that you talk about a lot, which is, you know, training and workouts are great for overall strength, endurance, conditioning, and things like that. But a lot of people expect different results, not realizing that there's an 80-20 principle that often comes along with diet and nutrition. If you're really looking for body composition and certainly something like aesthetics or like many people are motivated to either lose or to gain weight, that really that comes into play with how you're eating a lot more than how you're working out. Can you talk about that and how you have worked your own nutrition and diet into the plan of of your overall health? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because... I mean, a lot of people might be in great shape and have like really strong abdominals, and, uh, uh, a lot of muscle mass. But, you know, if that muscle mass uh, and your abs are covered by a lot of adipose tissue, you know, fat, basically, uh, they're not going to show in the mirror. And, um, you know, of course, training is not just about looking good in the mirror, but it is a part for everybody. You know, we definitely like looking it's progress in the mirror and that helps with motivation as well, especially in the beginning until you gain some momentum. Uh, and that is the reason that I recommend to people that, you know, uh, you always start your workout routine with a nutritional plan. And if you have a lot of body fat, especially if you're above 20%, uh, definitely work on creating a caloric um, uh, deficit so you can start le- losing some fat. And uh, as you get stronger, especially in the beginning, when you're a beginner, it's pretty easy to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Um, so uh, it is important to take advantage of that. You know, beginners, um, that uh, beginners basically physiology advance that you has the advantage that you have in order to build muscle while losing fat, and you know that will also help you mentally to keep on going. Because if you're just uh, neglecting nutrition and you're just training a lot and you see no difference in the mirror because you're just it's just covered by fat uh, pretty fast for most people that can be demotivating but if you focus on the same time nutrition uh, you keep you start seeing results in the mirror as well you start losing fat uh, usually that is a lot more helpful uh, in creating a sustainable workout routine now in terms of nutrition First of all, you know, what is key is creating a caloric deficit. It doesn't matter how healthy you eat. If you're on a caloric surplus, meaning you're eating more than you're burning, uh, you're never going to lose weight. Uh, now, nutrition is a, is a tricky subject because uh, people tend to get pretty, 
yeah, extreme online about it because there's there's so many different approaches that you can take. And uh, I've definitely tried most of them. You know, I've tried being vegetarian. I've tried fasting diets. I've tried paleo diets. I've tried food combining diets. I've tried, uh, I don't know, I think I've tried most of the popular approaches. And uh, the way I see it nowadays is that uh, I like to study the, the blue zones, you know, the, the centurions, the people that live longer. So uh, blue zones, for those who don't know, are uh, parts of the world where people live the longest. And uh, I like to see what are these people doing. Now, the thing is that in different blue zones, uh, there's not like a standard way of eating that seems to work. You know, it's not that all the centurions are mainly vegetarian or are mainly doing paleo or um, are doing this type of workout routine. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, in uh, all of the blue zones, uh, not all of them, but in most of the blue zones, there are no gyms, which is uh, interesting. And uh, although, you know, people are in great shape, at least in terms of health and live the longest. So uh, what we do know from these people is that, first of all, their life requires a lot of manual labor on a daily basis. And even as they get old, because, you know, what happens in a lot of these places is that you don't have running water. You know, you have to walk all the way to the well and get it by yourself. Uh, in order to have food, you know, you have to take care of your own produce. Uh, so uh, in, one, in one way in an, or another, these places usually have a lifestyle that requires a lot of manual labor and people that eat less than they burn. Like that's basically it. You know, people that eat less food and uh, com in combination with manual labor, stay lean, as lean as possible uh, until they're as old, you know, as they can get. So um, that's definitely the key. One thing is, you know, staying lean, uh, definitely a key for staying healthy. And uh, we know from studying all the blue zones, you can do that with most diets, you know. Uh, you can do that with a vegetarian diet. You can do that with a paleo diet. It doesn't really matter as long as you're eating healthy and you have that caloric deficit. So uh, my approach nowadays is that um, uh, I eat a little bit of everything. You know, I try to keep my protein high because that keeps me satiated. And uh, that also serves my uh, muscle building goals. Uh, I don't track everything on a daily basis. You know, I think that is important for, you know, when I, when I train people, for example, uh, I will always get them started uh, with tracking everything for at least a week so that way they can develop a nutritional um, consciousness you know they know that when they're eating like um, a slice of bread with peanut butter that's not 200 calories you know that might be even 600 calories if your uh, idea of what a spoon of peanut butter is is triple than you know what the the the, the real uh peanut butter spoon is you know because some people will fill it up completely and that can be 300 calories and some people will uh, just take a little um like a really flat spoon which is 80 calories or 90 calories <coughs> so sorry so most people uh for most people what i do is uh, i make them track everything for at least a week that way they create a caloric um consciousness you know they know what they're eating on a daily basis they know more or less how many calories they're getting in uh, most times people are pretty surprised by the amount of calories they get with a lot of foods that are you know caloric bombs as i call them um and uh, this helps a lot in uh, afterwards uh 
just you know having enough knowledge to basically eyeball your portions and know that you know like this amount of food is 400 calories it's not like 100 calories as i might uh as people might have thought previously so i always start with that you know track everything for at least a week so you understand you know uh, what is the amount of calories you're getting in more or less on a daily basis uh, what i what i realized with this is that most people that are pretty thin and struggle to gain weight are uh, underestimating um sorry are overestimating their caloric intake and people who are struggling to lose weight are usually uh, underestimating it and uh, we've seen that in research even with people that are you know trained professional nutritionists you know even these people uh, can miscalculate their uh, their caloric intake if they're not tracking everything in detail so you know um, definitely get started with that definitely focus on keeping your protein high that's because uh, protein is one of the macronutrients that gives you the most satiation while also being the most uh, metabolic active, metabolically active macronutrients. So uh, an easy way to explain this is that if you eat 100 calories of protein, your body is going to need three, uh, sorry, 30 calories to burn that, to metabolize that. So you know, protein has 30%, uh, requires 30% of your energy to break down that food, whereas carbs need only 10, need, uh, yeah, 10%. So if you eat 100 calories of carbs, you're only going to spend 10 calories to burn your carbs. So uh, keeping protein high for me is important, especially if you're athletic, if you're training. Uh, a pretty common bias is that people think they need less protein as they grow older, when uh, the reality is that we know from research nowadays that you need more. You know, each year after 30, you need to slightly increase your caloric intake. Um, but uh, of course, you also have to decrease your calories a bit. But uh, uh, in terms of um, how much protein you need, you you need to slowly increase that as you age. That's another important thing. And other than that, you know, just focus on focus on minimally processed foods. You know, go as uh, organically as you can. Uh, you know, bio biological foods, foods, and uh, foods that are real. You know, if it's in a plastic wrap and it's uh, it's square shaped or perfectly round shaped, you know, usually it's not real food. Uh, if it's something that you can pick from uh, the floor or from a tree or something you can kill, uh, sorry, vegans, by the way, uh, then it is, you know, it's real food. So focus on real food, focus on having a caloric deficit if you want to lose weight or being at calorie maintenance, you know, if you uh, want to be steady uh, or if you want to gain weight, do it slowly and always do it in a combination with uh, a strength training workout routine so you gain quality mass. Uh, I mean, I, I can talk for hours about nutrition, but uh, maybe you should uh, shoot some more questions if you want me to be a bit more specific. Yeah, no, there's some really great stuff in there. I like how you mentioned the blue zones as reference and that there is a lot of variation within mm. the different areas around the world, but there are also some recurring patterns that we can gather from, right? That this is much more of a traditional lifestyle where people are active throughout their entire life. And maybe it's not really intense bursts of like workouts, but they're always moving around and there's always some sort of re resistance, right? They're not just sitting on a couch and then doing sprints or doing massive workouts. That's, that's yeah. very uncommon in human history and nature. And the same with those uh, takeaways from diet. Like it's mostly locally produced fresh food. Maybe it's vegetarian. Maybe it includes some meat. 
And the plants are very different in different parts of the world, but there are commonalities that we can start to suss out. And this has also been, you know, part of what we talked about before about getting back into routines and seeing this as a longer term commitment to a lifestyle rather than just a habit that you pick up or you give up for a while. And the risk of going in these yo-yo diets or patterns and applies to workouts as well. And I'm wondering how you see it in your own mind as this is much more of a lifestyle for you. It's taken a huge transformation over the, the accident that you had reinventing yourself. Now this is part of your lifestyle in many other ways. It's a big part of your business and your work too. Can you talk about the mindset of seeing this in the long term and what helps you to reduce or avoid entirely these ebbs and flows that can, that can disrupt regular progress. Yeah. So one of my favorite books on uh, habit formation is by BJ Fogg. It's called Tiny Habits. And uh, in the beginning of the book, he says that in order to change, in order to create a sustainable habit, this habit has to, first of all, make you feel good. You know, once you're done with the habit, it should have some positive effect on you. Um, so one of the key, that was a really big light bulb moment for me when I read that book, you know, as simple as it sounds, uh, your workouts shouldn't just be about, you know, improving your body, looking better in front of the mirror. First of all, the first thing, the first essential thing should be that your workouts make you feel good. You know, they amplify your life. They're not something uh, on your to-do list that you have to do that is, that feels so mandatory and so like a, like homework, you know, as I like to say. Um, and uh, th that's, that was like a big moment for me. I realized that my workouts should first of all make me feel good. And that's what I focus on nowadays. You know, I do them early in the morning because uh, that's the, more, the, the, the time of the day that I enjoy them the most. And they're short and they're dynamic. And, um, you know, once I'm done, I have like a cold shower and uh, I feel really good. I know that I'll be a lot more energetic during the rest of the day. Uh, I know that I'll be, my head will be a lot more focused. I'll be more calm. You know, when I don't train, uh, especially for, if I do that for more than three days, uh, I notice it, you know, my mood drops a little bit. I'm more, I'm more aggressive, I would say, you know, I, I snap more easily. And uh, yeah, it definitely affects, affects me mentally. So for me, like a short morning workout is the best uh, dose of exercise and uh the way I enjoy training the most, uh, I like doing it on a daily basis. So I'll train minimum five days a week, um, five to six days a week, but I'll keep it short. And, uh, you know, that way I get the most of it. I enjoy it. Uh, I'm not completely drained after the workout. You know, it's not that I'm dragging my feet and I'm, uh, I'm tired. Uh, on the contrary, I'm more energized. And, uh, you know, when I see the effect that my workout has that way in the rest of my day, how it makes me a better person, it makes me a better uh, coach, a better businessman, a better uh, boyfriend to my girlfriend, you know, and all these things. Um, that's when exercise for me is uh, really sustainable, you know, whereas if I had to do like two hours and, uh, you know, I would get bored at the end of the workout and I'd be trained for the rest of the day and it would be like strictly to accomplish this amount of goal, you know, gaining that amount of muscle, uh, it wouldn't be something sustainable anymore for me, for sure. So uh, first of all, I focus when I coach people, for example, uh, we sit and we talk and we say, okay, like what is uh, the best frequency for you? You know, what is the best amount of training that you enjoy 
uh, how can we create a workout routine that leaves you uh, happy, you know, that leaves you, that you do every day without feeling pressured and you enjoy and all of these things. So, you know, training frequency and uh, training dosage uh, is highly important. You know, you have to figure out what works best for you. Some people like training three times a week and having something more dynamic. Other people training, uh, prefer training on a daily basis. You know, they find that working out that way is more sustainable. And uh, I think that for most people that is true, you know, having like a daily uh, routine, something you do almost every day um, is more easy and more sustainable because it sort of becomes automatic, you know, like brushing your teeth. You know, that's not something that you do some days and won't do some days. You know, it's something that is standard, you know, every day in the morning, I'll brush my teeth. So uh, training uh, using a high frequency workout routine works in the same way. And uh, yeah, first of all, it should amplify your life. You know, it should give more value. It should improve all of the rest of the areas of your life that are important. Uh, and uh, when your workout does that for you is when your workout will be something more easily sustainable. Yeah, and it seems like people come to this type of discipline from a lot of different aspects with different goals and different desired outcomes, right? And it maybe isn't always a workout routine that they end up with. Maybe like you mentioned before, meditation or something more like yoga or stretching. And it could be an entirely different discipline, but it can often be the anchoring point. Like you said, that, that gives way to a lot of these other emergent benefits as you start to cultivate a practice of self-care of whatever way, right? Whichever way you're trying to improve in and wherever you're trying to get. But having something that offers some routine, some consistency, but also a little bit of a challenge and pushes you to continue to improve often has these run-on effects for other aspects of your life. And in talking about that, what advice would you give to people who are looking to start to cultivate holistic health in their lives? So what are some of the entry points and what are some of the things that beyond just workouts have really made a difference in your feeling of well-being and your interactions with the world outside as well. Yeah. So first of all, when it comes to exercise, you know, uh, when people ask me what is the best bodyweight exercise, my typical answer is walking, which is not like that doesn't sound that sexy and amazing. But uh, yeah, if you don't walk, even if you train uh, like you have a really dynamic workout in the morning and you do nothing the rest of the day, you just sit in an office that's not going to be really effective. You know, that's going to be, you'll still be unhealthy in the long run. Uh, and I, I've noticed this, you know, with the current quarantine and all that, I would get my workout in the morning. And uh, this year I focused a lot on my online business. So I would sit a lot the rest during the rest of the day. And I realized that, you know, my metabolism is a little bit slower. Like I'm getting more blurry in the abdominal area and my mood is not that good. And, uh, I realized that, you know, it's not just about training. You should move. And uh, that's when I, I got like a smartwatch and uh, <laughs> I, I had a goal of uh, walking at least 12,000 steps a day. Uh, and uh, that's not including my workout. So when I work out, I actually take off my Fit smartwatch and I leave it on the side because, you know, I don't want to count my steps. You know, I want to have my step goal separate from my workout goal because I know even if I work out, if I don't walk, if I don't move, uh, I'm not going to be healthy. So, you know, we are creatures that 
have to move. You know, you can't sit all day in an office and expect to be healthy, both physically and mentally. So uh, for me, walking is just essential. You know, uh, for anybody that wants to lose weight, to be healthy, uh, there's no way that you're going to sit all day, even if you have a daily workout. Uh, if you don't move around, uh, things are not, you're not going to be ultimately uh, healthy. And uh, I see that effect uh, not only on the body, as I said, but also mentally. You know, uh, when I stick to my 12,000 steps a day, my mood is always a lot more stable, a lot more better. So uh, definitely find a way to move uh, on a daily basis. You know, you don't have to do calisthenics like I, like I do. I mean, I love calisthenics. It's uh, my way of uh, living my, my, the most essential part of my fitness routine, but that doesn't mean that it has to be for you as well. You know, even if you just walk and you watch your diet, you can be really healthy, you know, and grow old to be even a centurion, maybe. Um, but, uh, definitely find a form of movement that you enjoy and you find sustainable. So that would be tip number one. Um, I'm not a big fan of, activities that have you sit it so for example i'm not a big fan of cycling and uh, i have a lot of friends that are professional cyclists and stuff like that and uh, who get a little bit aggravated aggravated when i say that but you know when you spend the whole day sitting and your exercise is also done in a seated position you know i think that's not good and uh, i can see that in people who do a lot of cycling with their lower back problems with their shoulder problems so i uh, definitely find a form of movement that have you moving in a more upright position, you know, that gets you out of that seated position, uh, especially if you sit a lot during the day uh, and find a form of movement that you enjoy and you can uh, do sustainably. So uh, that's tip number one. In terms of nutrition, again, you know, find something that, uh, a diet that is as minimally processed as possible. Find a way of eating that energizes you. Uh, you know, I find that some people do really well with vegetarian diets. Other people need some meat. Uh, I think that it's it's it really depends. You know, on the person, on his DNA, on what his ancestors ate. You know, if you're like an Eskimo who your parents, you know, your your line, uh, your family line always ate a lot of fat, you're probably going to need some fat. You know, you won't do well on a low fat diet. So. Uh, Experiment a little bit and see what works for you, uh, what works best. And, uh, you know, as long as your calories are in place, you're getting a decent amount of protein uh, and uh, you find what works best for you, you'll be healthy. Uh, in terms of being mentally healthy, you know, of course, nutrition and exercise will support that a lot. But uh, it's also about, for me, uh, especially for men, you know, I mean, probably for women as well, but... Uh, I'm going to talk as a guy for men. I think we need to have a mission in life, you know, because uh, we're hunters. We're, you know, we're used to getting outside and, you know, having our sword or our bow or our something and, uh, you know, having a mission. Uh, I think that is essential. Uh, and finding a way to enjoy your work, you know, uh, I'm not saying that everybody has to be like extremely passionate about his work. You know, I understand that some people can do that. You know, some people have families and might have to do a type of work that they they don't feel that this was, you know, uh, what they were meant for. But uh, it's not always practical, you know, to just quit your shop, uh, job and go after your passion and stuff like that. But uh, I do think that it, it is possible to 
learn to enjoy your work. You know, what I figured out was that uh, the reason I didn't enjoy my work was because I wasn't trying to be good at it. You know, once you go into this different mindset that I'll try to do my work in the best way possible, uh, I find that you also start to enjoy work a lot more because, you know, if you're just uh, hating your job and you're not trying to improve things, uh, you don't have a goal. You just go to every day to the office and it's boring and it doesn't give you this purpose. But when you try to do it, okay, how can I be the best at my job? You know, even if my job is, I don't know, as simple as like working on a computer or cleaning streets or whatever, you know, I think that if you get in that mindset of, okay, how can I get as good as possible every day? How can I refine a little bit uh, the way I do things? You know, how can I get better at these things? Uh, I think that's when even a job that you don't like can be a lot more enjoyable. So definitely find a way to enjoy your work because you know, it's something that takes like one third of your life. So if you hate it, you know, uh, you, I don't see a way that you can't end up being miserable. So find a way to enjoy your work and uh, find something that you do for yourself. You know, find a hobby, even if that's 15 minutes per day, uh, find something that you do for yourself. Now, in terms of more spiritual stuff, for me, you know, it's been a lot of, uh, I, I started my, since uh, I was really young, I was pretty, um, non not a believer you know i was a pretty um much an atheist growing up in a in a community in a town where everybody was super um christian orthodox uh you know it's funny i was talking about this a few days with my mother when i was in uh when i was 10 or 11 years old you know i i saw this documentary about the big bang theory and uh in school we had a lot of uh classes about religion which wasn't really religion it was christian orthodox religion and uh i i one time i got up in the class and i said like like all oh, this is false you know there is no god and i believe that everything uh we know from science that everything started from the big bang and i started seeing these things and uh you know saying those things in 1993 in a super small town with uh, teachers that were on average 60 years old and uh you know not believing in not being a christian orthodox wasn't even an option uh, i obviously got expelled from school so uh, i started my life you know being pretty much an atheist and uh, that's the the approach i took until i was 27 when I, I realized that you know being absolutely you know knowing saying that you know i know that there's nothing else and uh, you know we just uh, come from nothing and go back to nothing I think that is as fundamentalist as being like really rigidly uh, believing in some uh, whatever that belief might be, that belief system. Uh, I think it's, you, we have to be open-minded. I think we have to find a way to be spiritual uh, in order to be happy in our lives. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to believe in this God or that religion, or you don't have, even have to be religious, but uh, you do have, definitely have to find a spiritual system uh, for yourself, you know, even if that's, you know, believing in the force of nature or, you know, it can be as Eastern as uh, Taoism, which, you know, or um, other forms of uh, Buddhism that don't, are not even a, a theocentric uh, system belief, you know, you don't have to believe in a God, just uh, have a, a way, a system that, you know, gives you some spiritual support. 
Uh, I think that that is essential if you want to be happy. If you're just like, you know, I believe in nothing or I'm really rigid in believing having this faith, I think usually both of those roads uh, lead to unhappiness. But uh, I think that we definitely need to have a spiritual system uh, to support us because, you know, life will be pretty tough at times. And uh, as strong as you think you are, life will find ways to break you down. And uh, if you don't have at least some um, system of being a little bit more spiritual, it's going to be pretty hard to get out of that. Yeah, those are really interesting insights. And it I'm struck by how much it follows along with my own line of work, which is working with ecosystems and helping people to restore their health, regenerate to the potential of what those ecosystems can be. And if we look at the body as the ecosystem that it is, a little bit more of on a micro scale, we do need to take care of it in multiple aspects in order for it to be healthy in all of the ways that it needs to, to flourish. And as you were talking about with diets, it's very context specific. Everybody's body is different. You're going to have different needs and maybe your diet is informed by your moral compass and your bioregion and the history and traditions that you come from. And you need to figure out what works for you, but you can still follow some guiding principles that are generally true. You know, you don't have to start from scratch, not eating too much processed food, making sure that your diet is clean and as fresh and local as possible. I mean, these have really been key to human development throughout all of our history and don't need to be reinvented just because we have access to different technologies and uh, food from all over the place and from factories now. Mm. And it goes similarly with exercise routines. I mean, a lot of this is context specific, but there are some fundamental patterns that can be followed for generally good results. Yeah. Uh, and even into you know the spiritual and the, the mindset that you were talking about. And this is something that you can cultivate over time and is really key for a longer term approach. Uh, and it works very much like in my own line of work of developing ecosystems back to their full health. You can do some sort of large energy intensive and expensive interventions to get things kickstarted. But unless you see it as a long term maintenance and uh, interaction of stewardship over time, it's not going to maintain the results you're looking for. And it's not going to reach its full potential. And that is just as easily applied to our own physiology, our bodies as it is. Um, man, it's given me a lot to, to think about, some great uh, insights there. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more of your resources and some of your programs? Yeah, so uh, basically you can find everything at bodyweightmuscle.com. Uh, I'm pretty active on YouTube. That's where the main amount of my content goes up on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, and uh, Instagram, Bodyweight Muscle there as well. But uh, if you just want to find everything organized, uh, just go to my website, bodyweightmuscle.com. And uh, yeah, you'll find everything you need. Fantastic, Anthony. Look, it was a real pleasure to connect again after these years. Yeah. And it's been so nice having this high quality content and this compassionate view of how to move through progressions and treat holistic health as a guide for my own reference and my own improvement. So I really appreciate that. I look forward to staying in contact and yeah. we'll catch up again soon. For sure. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Take care, my friend. Take care. There you have it. Thanks once again to Anthony for sharing his knowledge and experience. 
Remember that this is just the beginning of an ongoing conversation around holistic health that is always evolving with new members of the Regenerative Skills Discord channel. It's always free to join and you can sign up through the links on our homepage at regenerativeskills.com or our Instagram account, Regenerative Skills. The questions that I'll pose to start this idea exchange are, what are the most important elements of your personal holistic health? Do you feel that those elements are in balance or that their imbalance creates challenges in maintaining the ones that are functioning well? What element of your health that if significantly improved would have the most impact on your overall sense of health and balance in your life? I really look forward to hearing your thoughts and your perspective on these questions on the Discord channel. That's it for this week's session. Remember to keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative lifestyle, and I'll be right by your side along the way.